what we're doing right now in this lifetime is for posterity. We are building this link of a long chain that um, somebody else will build upon. And so that is our purpose. Now I find myself more being the leader and the narrator and the storyteller of my own journey of where I'm going to be going. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers become earners and earn the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow. No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz and from an ethical hacker to European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts as well as the stories of other makers the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is a true muse. Her name is Trisha de Jesus Gutierrez from writing to hosting the Fincabulary podcast. From poetry to animal health and wildlife rehabilitation, Trisha is a gifted poet, an experienced blogger, an author at Author House, and it is a joy to have her with us today. Trisha, how are you? Hi, Abdulaziz. I am doing really well today. I'm so happy to finally be here on your podcast. I'm glad, honored, and privileged, and to begin during this holiday period where many people are enjoying a lot of stories of uh, Santa Claus and Christmas. Let's begin with a story. What is the story that made you the Trisha that we know and love today? Well, I guess you could say that um, the inception point of that was actually my inception point. Um, I think things like this start as a seed at your birth. And what happens is that, um, do they germinate? Do you cultivate them? Um, and I think that's the difference between um, doers and achievers and uh, people who only have dreams. You know, dreams can only go so far. Um, you have to do the heavy lifting um, past that point. And so that's, I guess you could say, that's how my story started. It was every step since um, the time of my own creation until um, my adulthood and every step that I took to achieve uh, what I wanted to as far as my writing, my poetry, my creativity. Wonderful. And it's really cool. I mean, you were born at the um, catalyzing event or the catalyst of your story. So you were born directly 
into your into your hero's journey the call was the baby's cry so i love that it's a wonderful <laughs> beginning and you are creative creativity is more than just an adjective or a descriptor it's your part of your identity and one of the things that creative people might struggle with and that's why too many people die with their song inside their hearts is that they don't accept or they cannot take or they cannot even imagine what they will do when they will get criticized for what they're creating and bringing forth into the world. As someone who is prolific, how do you deal with that? What is your approach to this whole thing of the eyes and the mirror that you get that might be distorted or not from other people and the critics? You know, um, I can't ever say that I am not affected by criticism or by um, trying to tailor what I'm doing to other people's eyes or other people's tastes. Um, How do I hold myself accountable for that? Um, I, I try to remember primarily and I know this sounds simplistic, but what I do is always foremost for myself. And so if it pleases me and it's something that I'm proud to do for myself and to put out into the world, that is, that's, that's my main um, indicator that I am being successful um, because I'm not trying to cater what I'm doing I'm not trying to modify my art for other people's um, satisfaction. It is primarily for my own. And when I look at it with that mindset, it ends up being something incredible and something worthwhile and something that I'm, I'm proud to, to put forth. And I can look back at it several years later and say, hey, you know what? Um, I did that. I did that for myself and for myself alone. And that was all that was necessary. I love that. I actually resonate with that more than you can expect. And to me, it's like a two-pronged approach. In, in the samurai culture, there is a book called Hagakure. And in it, there is a big emphasis that a samurai should live as if they're already died and have a second chance at life. So I approach creativity as if I already failed totally and what is left are those extra minutes, the extended time after the scores have been settled and all I can do is enjoy those moments and live for myself as well as my belief is each person's big role and purpose in life is to have their own unique perspective that nobody else has and to contribute that to the big, big group or to society so that they will correct their blind spots. And therefore, by definition, other people cannot fully understand my creativity or art because it's my role to extend their understanding and stretch their minds into what they cannot see. And therefore, by definition, they don't see it as perfect because it's not their perspective, it's mine. And... To ask you a bit about your creative process, do you have a way 
that you somewhat systematically get into a creative mode or are you more of like in my culture we call the inspiration like uh, um, a cupid or a moody devil that comes when it pleases and it goes whenever it wishes probably at the worst time possible so are you very similar to some creative people who say inspiration doesn't matter i put in the hours and the hours will bring in the good results or are you one person who is the type that when you're in the best mood then the creativity flows and magic happens i think i'm a good balance of um all those elements right now uh within this year i used to be so much um buying into the romance of being the um the tortured artist and only producing things when the muse you know came around and was inspiring me um that still does happen and when it does it's it's awesome um but i found that there is um something to be said about putting in your work in advance and setting yourself up with a schedule i know that sounds really more on a kind of businessy side as opposed to being on the creative side um inspiration fuels you know maybe about 90 or 80 to 90% of what we do but the preparation that we put into it prior um i found out mostly within this last two years um it's opened up incredible avenues and um incredible opportunities for me because i am able to look at the bigger picture and see that hey you know i can go forward with what i'm currently doing and um see the the direction it's going to go and see the branches where it's going to go off to and so this one creative element becomes multiple things and it's able to feed um multiple different um endeavors if that makes any sense at all it does and to me it's like a gift and a curse to be a highly creative person because when an idea is being shaped it feels like given birth almost truly i cannot pretend to know how that is but it feels like that like there is something that is being born and coming forth and it's painful and it's uncomfortable until it comes through and then it's you're relaxed into it and you know you birthed it into the world that is my experience but i know that from having many many ideas you will get to the select ones or the best ones it's like a photographer who might take 900 photos just to get nine great ones because from the seeds others can fertilize and germinate into something wonderful to you do you have a story of one thing you wrote or something you created that you're most proud of and can you share that story and then your favorite moment about it well a few months ago um i created a longer poetry hybrid piece it was part poetry part song and um a lot of its inspiration um without going too much into its backstory was a combination of um paying homage to my heritage and also um 
paying um, my respects to my mother who passed away earlier this year. And so those two things melded together to um, to create a poem that was, I guess you could say, sort of a, a love letter to my culture, which is um, I'm Filipino-American, so my mom is from the Philippines. Um, it was an equal love letter to her and um, to my heritage. And so the beautiful thing about it is that um, it is a good example of how poetry and writing is alive. So this piece that I made, is it um, perfect? Is it something that is finished? No, not ever. And that's the beauty of it. It continues to grow and change um, as I'm growing and changing within this last part of the year. And so um, I've had an opportunity to rewrite it a couple of times. I never used to like that idea of rewriting um, because I thought that you're kind of tampering with the essence of um, of what you're trying to say. Um, this for me is different. This for me is um, every time a new experience or a new emotion um, um, is added on, I, I, I add that to the poem. I add that to the piece. And so I've been performing this piece at various open mics, and it becomes a totally different creature each time. It is filled with all the emotion that I have that day, all the um, energy. You know, if I have high energy, it's a high energy poem. If, it's, if I have low energy, it's a low energy poem. And so it's this living, breathing thing that's that's beautiful to behold and to go back to later and say, you know, just listening to that poem, I can see what kind of emotions I was going through that day. I could see what kind of um, enlightenment I was feeling. I love that. And you mentioned the Philippines, which is one of my most favorite places where I've lived. I lived in Dabao in the south, in Cebu, oh, wow. and almost the center, and in Manila. And I enjoyed durian which is very delicious but it smells mm -hmm. very bad in the south <laughs> where there was it's a very fertile land with great mangoes and really creative people who have magical voices and you can go to a shopping center and hear almost the concert that you will hear at the best best arenas in the u.s but it's just someone with a mic on a karaoke stand in the middle of a shopping center. It's absolutely magical. And to ask you more about creativity, when did you know that writing and expressing yourself through poetry and prose is the path that you should take in life? This is going to sound really hokey and kind of really hallmarky. <laughs> and some people are probably going to hate me for saying this, but this is the absolute truth. Um, writing was not my primary um, goal with my creativity. I wanted to channel it into something else, like doing graphic art, or maybe better than that, um, fashion design. I really primarily wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, that didn't completely pan out for me. Um, I think the timing was wrong. And so during that time period, I was trying to um, siphon off all that creative energy into something. So 
I remember it was 2020. I decided to, I was working at a, at a bookstore. I um, found one of our little scratch pads and I started just doodling while I was up there at watching the register. And I said, hey, you know, this is not half bad. Let me go ahead and continue doing this. Um, nothing clicked as hard and as perfectly as, as that moment. And I've been addicted ever since. And um, do you know how some people, I guess you could say, there are things that they're really good at. There are things that they're really bad at. And then there are things that they are just made to do. And there's no explanation, no logical explanation. Everything that they do um, when they are concentrating on that endeavor is like perfect alignment. And that's how I feel like when I'm writing. I feel like I'm feeding a part of myself that gives me this perfect balance and makes me a whole person. I love those words, alignment, perfect balance, and being a whole person. But to confirm a detail, you said, I remember it was 2020. So is it this year or was that? Oh my a, goodness. A that's, typo? A, <laughs> that's an yeah, absolute no, a typo. Typo. I remember it was the year 2000 is what I meant to say. <laughs> okay. Because you said 2020. I was like, what? Uh, it's, it's, I remember I'm still in it. <laughs> We're not done with it. To me, I was such an introverted child. I didn't know how to like have conversations with people. I was somewhat isolated. And to me, the pen and the paper. And until today, I prefer to use a fountain pen and a notepad. To me, that was the way that I had conversations with myself that always enriched themselves. And then years later, I read a book called How, Why Therapy Works. And in it, it explains that simply when some person is expressing and speaking about their problems, something happens in the brain when someone is listening that rewires their brains for more power and like better health and emotional stability. So that's one of the big reasons why therapy works is simply having someone listening there is a natural process for the brain to get emotionally healthier and let go of trauma by itself. So to me, the paper was like the person listening and I was expressing. And the more I expressed, the better there were uh, the words were positioned and the more alignment was there and the better structure that came through and came forth and more truth was being shaped within all that noise. And to me, that was my way of beginning to get my voice in the world through writing. And therefore, writing is my dojo, as the martial artists will say, or writing was my best friend or my companion that helped me mature and grow through that interactive interaction with myself, if, if I might say, which is almost magical. To ask you another thing, because this is fascinating to me, really. Who is like, do you have a source or someone that you consider to be your ideal when it comes to art, whether in music or in writing or in poetry? And every time you listen to that person or read what they do, you think, wow, this feels like the best that I wish I have done. And it just represents me so much, although it's not coming from me. That answer has actually changed. 
um, over this this past unique year. Um, before, if you had asked me that about a year or so ago, I would have said, um, you know, the usual suspects. I would have said somebody like Nikki Giovanni or um, Maya Angelou or um, Langston Hughes, people who were, you know, very famous um, and much beloved and who are worthy, really, of, of being heroes um, for anybody who's a writer, a poet, a creative. But um, that answer has changed as my own physical world has closed up, but my, I guess you could say, virtual world has opened up. I've um, been, well, we've all been confined to, to, the, to our house, not being able to interact with the world at large. Our computers have become our world. And so I have met people globally through a lot of online forums and they have become, a lot of them have um, connected with me. They are from different disciplines as far as art, but mostly writing. And they have become my inspirations and my heroes that who I draw um, a lot of courage and stories and inspiration from. Um, a lot of them I've not met in person. It's just that they drive me so much in so many ways, um, in actuality to, to, to build at my art every day or something that they would, um, post. And I, I was never a fan of social media. Um, am I a fan now of social media? Not exactly, but I see how at its best, what, uh, what type of potential it has. And so seeing these people, the content that they put, the worthy content that they put into their um, pages um, inspires me to do the same and to try to inspire other people with my own art in a daily basis. So I guess um, you could say that these people are my compass and I want to be, I want to pay it forward and be somebody else's compass with their art. I love that. So to you, art is not some individualistic, selfish, Ayn Rand kind of creative process where you go into your own cave and you just look at some lake from high up in the mountain and get inspired by that mood and express it on paper. It's more of a collaborative project where through interaction and seeing others' creativity, that drives into you the, you the enthusiasm and energy to take their energy and express it forth into something new, if I understood correctly, of course. And you mentioned multiple times that the year 2020 was for you specifically very unique and the turning point. But I have no idea for you specifically how that changed, why it mattered. Can you give us a bit of context of why and how 2020 changed you? Um, from what you just said right now, um, you had mentioned about me not being isolated in, in a cave and um, finding the connectivity with other people empowering. And I think that was one element about 2020. It was that shift. I was actually, to begin with, the classic 
keep to myself, introverted, um, my art is my own art type of creator. Um, and that shifted gradually and then burst forward, uh, forward this year with um, meeting these people who I otherwise, maybe if we were in a face-to-face situation, um, that would have not been facilitated in the same way. S- having the comfort of being in my own home and gradually getting to know these people and connecting with them, um, that, that became really key. And the second part of that too was that um, I, I really leaned into my creativity this year. I feel that um, before I was saying, I was letting the goddess, <laughs> I guess the gods or goddesses just tell me, what direction do I go? Okay, I'll go that day. Um, what am, when am I, when or what am I going to do at a given time and then just wait for an answer from the universe? Sometimes, sure, I still do that. Um, but now I find myself more being the leader and the narrator and the storyteller of my own journey of where I'm going to be going. And so that's going to inform everything from, you know, how I go through a week um, of creativity, you know, how I'm going to structure the bones of it to make these things that I want to achieve happen. Um, And so I've, because of that, I've become more disciplined, I feel, in trying to juggle, and I hate to use the word juggle, but for lack of a better word, um, doing a podcast religiously. Um, blogging religiously, having my open mic, still being a perf- uh, not a performer, but a, a poet who produces poetry that is satisfying to my soul. So just that shift, those, those two main elements of having that connection and opening up to people and not being so such an isolated artist, and also my leaning into my art, really leaning into it and trying to squeeze out every piece of um, of creativity that I can from, you know, from, from what I'm trying to put forth. And that is exactly the embodiment of one of my most favorite quotes, which is that life doesn't give you what you want, it gives you what you need. And it's exactly through 2020, something we wish never happened, that helped you evolve into the next version of Trisha. Trisha 2.0 or 3.0, or I don't know, you're at which evolution in your path since you began, since you were born on this earth. And to you, to ask a more metaphysical kind of question, what is to you the purpose of life? Why are we here? Don't just say 42, you know, the the answer to life and everything, but almost, you know, that's my question to you. I am actually going to hearken back to an old answer. And the reason why this is an old answer, it's tried and true, and it's never shifted um, because it it remains a truth to me. Um, And that is that we are, what we're doing right now in this lifetime is for posterity. We are building this link of a long chain that um, somebody else will build upon. And so that is our purpose, to, to make our mark and 
to have it be a, a foundation that is steady and strong and beautiful and just um, inspiring enough for somebody to build upon. And then this becomes something that is um, for infinity. It's for infinity. It's, it's something that can never be erased. Whether my physical body is here, s- still on this earth, somebody else will be carrying me forward with the work that I built upon that they will be um, taking forward and building upon as well. So if I understood correctly, you're all about legacy and even pushing it further, you are one of those Hellenic, old Greek people who had the culture and the belief that as long as someone on this earth still remembers your name positively, you're never dead. Or, and it's not your culture at all, although your, your last name is very Hispanic sounding, but you're Filipina, which was actually at the time it was colonized by Mexico when Spain failed. But I remember that uh, movie and multiple like movies like Coco or whatever about mm-hmm. the uh, Dia de los Muertos and how when the last person who will remember you will die, then you will die forever. So I guess to you, as long as you have impacted the life of someone, that person took your work forth and impacted other lives, then Trisha is forever and infinite. Did I understand correctly? Absolutely. I I think that um, with with my words, I am putting something that is more permanent than me. And if it reaches one person, that one person is able to spread it to other people. And it is, it's just this chain reaction. It's a ripple effect that becomes exponential. And more and more people are now a part of me carrying me forward. Yes, which brings me to a bit of a tricky question. Does this mean that now you feel yourself not infinite and not that kind of forever brought forth kind of person and therefore you need to do something to create that yes again you know um i know because desire comes from a lack which means that if you wish to be like remembered forever or impacting other people to stay part of them and part of you forever it means the opposite is what is existing right now so is it that at some level you feel a bit that you're, you weren't or you're not yet at the level of impact and legacy that you need to feel fully fulfilled? I think that there's always room for me to, to, to grow into that being worthy of, of being worthy of a legacy. And, um, I have been feeling really lately, you know, the, the, the weight of mortality. Um, I've been dwelling a lot on that and it just puts so much more emphasis on, um, so, so, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing to, to seal my, you know, to, to really let people know that I, I, I did, I did step on this earth. I was here. I did exist. Um, how am I doing that? It puts a finer point on it. Yes. So you wish to 
let people know you existed on this earth, you exist, and to leave your mark and to impact people and to be part of the infinite and of eternity. Did I understand correctly? Yes, that is correct. Um, but I guess a little bit more emphasis on, you know, not just um, not it being a um, a thing where I will be lauded in future cultures or in the future. It's it's um, my place, so somebody else can have that place and elevate it. Yes. So you want to be because you stood on the shoulders of giants. You want to be the shoulder that the future stands people will stand on something yes, like that that's yes exactly that's that's beautiful the way you put that thank you and i know you have such an exciting interesting and enriching podcast can you speak about that project and speak about what you're up to and how can people get in touch learn more and know what you're all about well um my podcast is a weekly endeavor. It is put forth by Anchor. Um, so it's the Fincabulary podcast on Anchor, which is anchor.fm forward slash Trisha dash DE dash Jesus. Um, currently, I am so excited that um, my feature for the next three months is spotlighting different creative um, artists from people who are musicians, people who do um, multimedia art, uh, people who are poets, writers, playwrights, um, storytellers, just every wonderful color and shape and um, shade of, of the rainbow. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm putting forth as far as that goes. Um, I am actually <laughs> so deeply into being um, engaged with the people that I um, that I have that I've connected with. So yes, I am on all the major <laughs> social medias: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, it's all the same. It's Finn underscore Bell P H Y double N E underscore B E L E. Um, and yeah, I have a weekly open mic as well. And that's another creative endeavor where I'm able to stretch my mind a little bit into um, creating themes and having more structure around um, how I am able to provide a community and a safe space for other people to um, connect with me and share their own genius and their talent. I love those final words to share their genius and talent in a safe space. It's absolutely, absolutely inspiring. And I will leave your links in the description, at least a few of them, because Apple hates long descriptions. So I'll leave at least one. <laughs> and to, it's my pleasure. This was so, so good. I enjoyed it. It was like a delicacy, if I might say. And you are wonderful. Well, so I wish you a great day. Yes, you too, Abdulaziz. Uh, this was uh, wonderful and refreshing. I was going into it with apprehension, but I just, I loved it. It was like 
talking with someone who uh, I've known for some time and somebody of a a like mind. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I feel the same exactly. And sometimes when, like you said, when things click, it just clicks, and that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm.